Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to do uh, some of the teaching. Uh, about seven weeks ago, it was that my wife was on the DR trip, and uh, I was home alone with the kids, and I determined that when she returned, the home was going to be in better condition than when she left. I didn't want to hear any of those bachelor acting bad stories, right? So I, I came up with a plan, and I was executing. I, I was doing dishes. I did laundry. I was sweeping the floor multiple times. Listen to this. I made sure the kids had food on a consistent basis. I know. Like, who does that? I, I did. But I was going even further. I was outside watering her flowers. I'll, I'll admit this. I'm not proud of it, but I did have this thought. I, I did think if she dies, there's going to be a lot more rocks at our house, right? I, so I thought that. I'm weeding some of those. I did, uh, there was a sidewalk on the side of the garage that I worked on completing. I had all this, and all of a sudden I realized there was one more thing that I really hate doing that would kind of add the cherry on top, and that was mowing the lawn. I don't like mowing the lawn, but I do it. Just, just to give you an understanding of how much I dislike it, it takes me 10 minutes to mow our front lawn. That's how small the lawn is on purpose. But I realized I could mow that, but I could also mow the back lawn, which I mow once a month because I don't care, right? It's a little dicey back there, but it's seen a mower six or seven times since we've been there. And so I got the mower out, and it's, it's a little hilly. It's a little rough back there. And that's when it happened. It happened suddenly. The mower hit a rock. And um, it was a rock, not a stone, not a pebble. I know a rock when I feel it. When I say feel it, I mean literally feel it. You know that black flap on the back of the mower that's supposed to protect the rock from shooting out? Well, the grass was high enough because of what I do that it was up just a little bit. And a little bit was all it needed, and the rock shot out of there and hit me in the leg. And I knew instantly this was going to be a keeper. Like, it was going to be bad. Oh, yeah, there it is right there. Um, where you see it's red down the side and at the top, that's where it broke the skin. Now, I, I realized a couple things. One, if I stopped, my leg would probably get so stiff I wouldn't want to keep going. So I just kept mowing. I just kept doing the chores that I was doing, and I was just going to keep walking on. And then a second thought dawned on me. Nobody would ever have to know. I wear jeans. I wear um, longer pants at home if I wanted to, some sweatpants. And nobody would ever have to know that I had sustained that injury. Now, that, that's one story, and we're going to refer back to it a few times. But I want to take you to another story in the scriptures, too, that's about uh, another kind of injury. And I want to give you some background on it. Now, this is, an, this is kind of an odd story, which is dangerous for us. Because what happens is when we read an odd story, we sometimes think, I don't get it, and so we move right past it. But um, this morning and, and next week, I'm going to ask you to think, really directly about Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot, but, but I'm going to ask you to think where you're at with Jesus, what you think about him and his intentions for you and what you've done in responding to that. 
So that's, that's kind of where we're going. And I'm hoping this odd story, once you start to get a little cultural background, you get some pieces to it, it will stop being odd and it will present to you a beautiful picture that's, that's in our lives right here, right now, today. Now, uh, to get our story, I, wa- I want to uh, take you into Luke. And Luke says he's in a certain place in Galilee. We're going to put up a map on the screen. And, and if you can see where that is, that's on the Greek side of the sea. There's no Jews in this area. If they're in the area, it's dominated mostly by um, Roman and Greek people, which means Jesus sometimes does ministry in different ways over there. In this case, um, he heals somebody, and then he looks at that person and he says, go tell everyone. Go tell everyone that I just healed you. And then the scriptures record that he goes on a retreat. He goes off somewhere for some quiet time with his disciples. We don't really know what's going on. It might have just been him praying and taking some quiet time. But then he comes back to this same village. And the scriptures record that when he does, things get a little crazy. Here's what it says in verse 40 of Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. That is a polite and kind way of saying it was a mob. Like, they had heard about Jesus. They wanted to get near him. They wanted to see him. They wanted to touch him. And listen, we're talking about streets in these cities that were made for walking, not cars. So when you filled up the streets with people, there was not a lot of room. The the disciples had turned into security guards. And it was in this crowd that suddenly, boom, somebody is at Jesus' feet. His name's Jairus. He had heard about Jesus. And he's there pleading for his daughter. His daughter's not doing well. Looks like she may, may die. And so he says, Jesus, will you come with me? Come to my house. Heal my daughter. And Jesus agrees to this. Jairus gets up and they start off through the crowd and watch what happens. Um, This is uh, 42. This is the second part. It says, as Jesus is on his way, he's on his way with Jairus. The crowds almost crushed him. Are you getting the picture? This is a very active scene. People are everywhere. And then the scriptures say this. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Did you just see that? I mean, slow down right there. If you were a Jewish person and you just read this, you would do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're ticked! Why? It says she's been bleeding, which puts her in a category of unclean. She's ceremonially unclean, and in their culture, that means you had to be separated from everybody else. Because if you touch somebody who was unclean, you would become unclean. Do you know why? Nothing's a throwaway in here. Why did the scripture say the crowds almost crushed him? Was she touching anybody in the crowd? 
How many people was she touching in the crowd? You wouldn't have been able to tell. It was so cramped. She was pushing her way through. She's touching all kinds of people. And this is not a harmless thing. This would have required people to go to the temple to pay money to spend a lot of time. If they would have found out that she was there, she could have been stoned. So how is she getting away with it? Well, it's a lot like the injury with my leg. She's in a crowd. She's covered up. Nobody can tell. There might have been a few people that she had gone to over the years to try to get healed, but what's the chances they were going to recognize her? She was hiding in plain sight. You ever done that? You've been in a place where you just kind of were a wallflower? You kind of just blended into the background, in and out, nobody saw you, no big deal? That's exactly what she's doing. And she's got a plan too. Her plan can't be what Jairus just did. She can't throw herself at Jesus' feet because Jairus is asking for his daughter. She would be asking for herself and she would have to reveal what was going on with her and that would put her life at stake. So the scriptures record she does something else. Verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now maybe you're wondering uh, what I'm wearing this morning. It's uh, quite obviously a Hawaiian shirt. We're doing a luau afterwards. Um, yeah. And uh, we're roasting a pig. You're welcome to come out. If, even if you forgot to bring food, we'd love to have you. That would be great. Okay? So, um, but if you're wondering about this, this is a prayer shawl. This is something... Um, that all the religious men of Jesus' day would have wore. If you see in the scriptures where it talks about a prayer closet, that's what this thing did. A, a closet was not a place in their home where they went to pray. This is what it would have looked like. They would have simply covered themselves and prayed quietly underneath this so as not to draw attention to themselves. It was meant to be a reflection of this heart attitude between them and God, opposed to the Pharisees who wanted to be seen in public praying so that you would know how spiritual they were. Well, Jesus has one of these on. And it says that she came up and touched the edge. Well, that's this. That's this thing right here. This is called a tzitzi. It's made up of a combination of knots and then a little tassel here at the bottom. And this actually um, has been recorded over history as kind of being an important thing at times. These were all different. You, you knotted them however you wanted to knot them. And they've recorded at times that they would take this and put this in clay and imprint it. And it would almost be like a signature. You'd be on the hook for that now. Almost, it's almost like the first credit card. This carried your authority to make that deal. And so this was what this woman came up and touched. And the question is why? Why was this her plan? Because she had made a determination about Jesus based on the scriptures. The Hebrew scriptures in the Tanakh, the last book of their scriptures, um, the last chapter of their scriptures, 
in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it starts talking about some judgment. And then very quickly it turns and talks about something that may come besides judgment. Now, I'm going to put up on the screen a very literal translation. This is a literal link, so it's going to be different than what I read for you. But both of them, I'm going to, I'm going to help you understand what's going on here. So this is a translation they would have used to help you understand what's going on. This is Malachi 4.2. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go and frolic like well-fed calves. I love, the, I love the phrasing of that end of that verse, this idea of calves. We actually have kind of an image of that. The picture of that was what it's supposed to look like when you get healed. Like, it's playful. It's fun. It's carefree. Don't take your eyes off the prize here. What he's talking about is that there could be judgment, but there could be healing. And somebody would come with healing. And the scripture said it could be, this one said in rays, this one said in wings, and it's a good translation. The, the problem was there were two other choices, but they didn't make sense to translators because the other choices were healing would come in his edges or borders, which most, I mean, for us it didn't make sense, but for her, it made all the sense in the world because she had decided based on who this was that she had been exposed to enough to decide that this man must be the Messiah that the Jews are talking about. And if that's the case, the edges of his garment will carry healing in it. And all I have to do is get myself through the crowd. And if I touch the edge of his garment, if nothing happens, I go out and nobody knows. And if I get healed, I win. It's not a bad plan. It would have been an excellent plan, except in verse 45, Jesus goes super ninja on her. Verse 45, who touched me, Jesus asked. All the disciples are looking around going, not me, not me, not me. And then Peter says the obvious. He says this at the end of verse 45. Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Everyone's touching you, right? Everybody's laying hands on you right now. We're getting jostled. We're getting bumped. We're trying to keep them away. We've got our security t-shirts on. They're not listening to us. You're getting run into by everybody, But see, what's really impressive about this is the scriptures record that she did not touch Jesus. She just touched his tassel. That's all she touched. And somehow, Jesus knew that his power had been accessed. In fact, he says it this way in verse 46. Someone touch me, I know that power has gone out for me. I know that power has gone out for me. What's it like? Is it like electricity? And he felt the charge go? I mean, what's, what's happening here that he could understand this? I mean, I guess this could be the part in the message where we just look at you and say, 
hey, just get close enough to touch Jesus and good things will happen in your life, right? We could say that except that Jesus had been in a crowd of people and what gets recorded in this section of scripture are only two people who ended up healed. He heals Jairus' daughter and he heals this woman, which ought to pique our interest because there's something going on here that allowed her to access that form of healing that she wanted, and it should matter to us. At least it matters to me. I don't know. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've thought, I really want God to heal this? Maybe for you, maybe for somebody else. Maybe you thought, I really want God to heal this physical thing that's going on with somebody, this injury, this disease. I want you to heal this emotional thing that they're going through. I want you to heal this psychological thing that that they're dealing with. It's like there's a tape that goes on in their head that won't change and they keep hearing the same stuff. I want you to deal with the depression that they're wrestling over, the anxiety, and we have this desire to find some healing. And most of us have moments in our lives where that's the case, but here's the thing. Here's what I think is true. Most of the healing that you need is not the kind that is easily seen by other people. Now, there are some things, no doubt. They're very public. Everybody can see what you're going through. They know what you're wrestling with. They know what's happening in your family. But a vast majority of the things that happens in our souls happen in a place where nobody can see what's happening. Nobody sees the damage, nobody sees the harm, and we make a strategic mistake. We decide with that stuff that we'll heal ourselves, that we'll fix ourselves. It's not that bad, I'll fix it. I'm only really angry at home where nobody else can see it, just my family, I'll fix it. I only really struggle with lust when I'm in this place. Nobody else knows, I'll fix it. This attitude that I carry, nobody can see that. It's buried inside me. The the wounds that that person delivered into my life that now I'm filled with self-doubt and insecurity, nobody knows that. I'm the only one who knows that. Be nice if that were true. But here's here's how it kind of works. When Tracy got home from the DR, she decided she wanted to curl up in the chair with me and take a little bit of nap while I rubbed her back. And as she climbed into the chair, she kicked my bruise. Oh yeah, my reaction was stronger than that, right? Now listen, um, from my experience, um, if she didn't love me, I would think she was out to damage me because she hits my boo-boos all the time. And she does it so often, she now laughs about it. So she got into the chair, she hit my leg, I reacted, and she started laughing. I didn't think it was funny. Not even for a second, right? But, but can I tell you, that's exactly what happens with you and me. These wounds that nobody can see, that we can cover up and hide, We think we're being so smart 
But then somebody bumps up against that and we respond rudely or we respond defensively or we respond by being filled with self-doubt and remorse. Like there's a response, a reaction to it. And we think we've been so wise that nobody knows that we're fixing it on our own. The truth is, everybody knows. Well, for one, God knows. He knows what kind of injury you've taken in your heart. He knows the words that have been delivered into your life that have marked and scarred you. He knows the choices you've made that weren't wise, that weren't good, that have now done damage to your heart. He, he knows what's happening on the inside of you. But the truth is, your coworkers know. They bump into you. You react. Your friends know. Your family knows. The schoolmates know. People know. Because you've done a hard, I mean, you've done this thing where you told yourself, I'll fix it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to look fine. I'm going to act fine. But you're not fine. And as they bump into you, you reveal that something at the core of who you are is broken and messed up. And you know why you've decided to try to fix that? I think there's a big, there's a big reason. I think you've missed that the primary reason that God sent Jesus to earth in the first place was to heal. That's what he was about. I mean, we hear that. We hear that, and almost instantly, we open up our book of memories, and we start looking at the times where we ask God to heal this physical thing, where we ask God to deal with this disease, where we ask God to do something, and he didn't come through. How can you say that God came to heal? He's let me down so many times. But here, here is what you might have missed along the way. See, the scriptures does record Jesus physically healing people. But he also knew that at some point, no matter how many times he physically healed somebody, you would face death. And if that you hadn't dealt with the harm that had come to your soul, your soul would face death forever. And he was deeply concerned about that. And he had every desire to find a way to heal that. He was all about healing, but he had his focus on what was happening in our hearts and in our souls. And he occasionally did the other. But he was really obsessed with your healing, with my healing. I began to realize just how much God loves this idea of healing um, after I got hit by that rock because I didn't do anything to my leg. And you know what happened? It started to heal. Five days later, it produced a scab where it had been damaged. Twelve days later, the scab was starting to heal 
the bruise was all the way down to my ankle. And sometimes I think that happens and we're like, see, God's not healing. No, 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 no. All this is doing is revealing just how bad the damage was. You know, sometimes it takes days, sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes years or decades for you to realize just how much damage you've taken into your soul from that thing that has happened to you or the choice that you made. 51 days later, I still have a scar. I think maybe I'll carry that for the rest of my life. But, but as part of God's economy, you heal. Now here's the thing. Ultimately, there will come a moment when your body will not heal, cannot heal, will face something that it cannot do on its own. And we all know that we will face death at some point. Here's the problem. We've not come to the understanding that that's gonna happen in our souls too. You will come to a place when your body dies, where your soul will face death. And if you've not set things right with God, there's going to be a price to pay for that. And that's, that's what this story in the scriptures is all about. Because when the writer writes that this lady had been bleeding for 12 years, every Jewish person who would have read this story understood the significance of this. What's the significance? If you were unclean, you could not stay with your family. You could not live in the community that you grew up in. You could not go to sacrifices at the temple. You could not be involved in any spiritual rituals whatsoever. You were rejected. You were alone. You were most likely in poverty. And you were set apart from everybody else. We were just provided a picture of what sin does in our lives. This is a word we don't like to use in our culture. It's been used in so many judgmental ways that when we hear it, we have a kind of a gut response to it, but just flat out, think of it this way. You did something wrong. You, you don't even have to use God's standard to figure out if you've done something wrong. Use your own. You have a standard of what you think is right and wrong. Have you ever broken your own standard? And that's what it is. When that happens, when we sin... There is something internally in us that gets disconnected from everybody around us. Gets disconnected from God, gets disconnected from our family, gets disconnected from our friends, and we carry it as a weight with us. It harms our soul. And we think we're gonna fix it. We think we're gonna solve that. And what we're concerned about is whether God's gonna heal our physical stuff and he's concerned about whether you'll ever receive healing for what happens at the core of who you are. Do you wanna know how concerned he is about this? It shows up here in the story. In verse 48, Jesus says, hey, who did this? Who touched me? She finally comes clean. She finally says, I did it. And she tells the whole story. Like, I touched your tassel. This is what ailed me. She says this in front of everyone. 
And look at what Jesus says to her. This is verse 48. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Um, If the van would come up here, I'd like you to be ready to go when I can hand this off. There's two things I want you to catch that makes her story different than the rest of the people in that crowd who were bumping up against Jesus too. The, the, the first one you just saw right here, it says go in peace. Peace with who? Well, for one, she had touched Jesus. She had taken his power without asking for it. And so, and so she was, Jesus was saying, listen, I'm still good with you. We're okay, there's peace between us. She had just admitted in front of a crowd of people that she had been unclean, bumping around amongst them. And Jesus just said, go in peace. You have a chance now to go live with your community, to go live with your family, to get back involved at the temple. Everything that was closed to you is now open. Your peace is returning. And he also said, there's peace between you and God. Because what I really cared about was, yeah, you've got this bleeding thing, but you've been separated from everybody, and I want you to know that's over. That peace that you wanted is now available. It's accessible for you. It wasn't just the physical healing that Jesus offered this woman. He stepped into her world and dealt with a separation. It was the picture of what sin does in our lives. And Jesus saying, that I can offer you peace from. But there's another important part. I hope you'll see it here. She believed that if she reached out for Jesus, that he could actually heal her. That if if I touch you, in fact, this is how she believed it so much. She believed that he was so full of the ability to heal that it was in his garment that was an extension of him. I believe you have the capacity to do this in my life. And for many of us, that's the biggest barrier we face. Because we've decided we're gonna fix it on our own. And we've been unwilling to reach The bad thing about this is some of you have convinced yourself that you're actually pulling it off. And you've missed that there's been stuff growing in you that comes out in ugly ways that reveal that something in your heart isn't right. Are you at peace? Are you at peace with the people around you? Are you at peace with God? I've been running around thinking, I don't, I don't know if God could like me. I don't know if I could be enough for God. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And there hasn't been a peace there. Part of the problem could be that you've been trying to fix stuff on your own. And there's only one solution. If you want to experience real peace, for some of you, you, you've made, you've made um, a commitment to God. 
but you're carrying something that you decided you would fix on your own. And you've been carrying it for a while, and it's wearing you out. Others of you, you've never once tried to make things right between you and God, and you haven't been at peace ever. You look fine. You act fine. But you're not fine. And you know it. And other people know it because they bump into you and sometimes the monster comes out. Can I, can I just tell you? I, I've learned to accept that when I have those kind of reactions, those emotional outbursts, the things that I don't like about myself, that all that does is reveal that there's something deeper in me that has to be dealt with. And this morning, I want to just suggest to you that if you've never tried to make peace between you and God, today could be your day. I want you to see what Peter had to say about this. He was with Jesus in that crowd. He saw all of this. He would later write um, an account. And um, he wrote this in 2 Peter 2, 24. He said this about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He took the wrongs that you were carrying so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Like the stuff that's killing us, you can't fix that, but he's willing to take it so that you can actually live. And this is how the verse ends. By his wounds, you've been healed. One of the primary things God wants to do in your life is to bring healing to it. But if you don't believe that he has the ability to do that, and if you don't reach out for that, you will never take hold of the peace that you were meant to live with. So this morning, I just want to ask you, are you at peace? And if you're not, what are you willing to do about that? Are you finally willing to reach out towards Jesus and say, listen, the healing that you offer I need that in my soul. There's some of you here, you've made things right with Jesus, but you've been carrying some junk, and it's time for you to decide you're not going to fix that part of your life anymore, and you're going to give that up. And today's the day. Today's the day. You're going to say, I'm going to start the healing process. I might have a scar in my life for the rest of my life for this, but I, I want to be healed by you, and so I want to start the process. I'm in. I'm in. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Let me pray with you. God, I believe there are people here who need your touch, the power that you offer. You're a God who is so full of healing, so intent on that, that your cloak carried that desire for you to heal. It's just a part of your nature. And God, you stand ready to offer that. Stand ready to offer that to the hearts of the people who are here. But there's a lot of people, just like in that crowd in Jesus' time, who were bumping into him, but never reached out, never believed, never thought that he could be the one who would actually bring peace to their hearts. 
So God, I ask that your spirit would whisper to the hearts and minds of those who are wrestling right now. Come to me and I will give you peace. I'll give you rest. God, will you give them the courage to reach out, to tell the truth. I need you. This is why I need you. I can't do this on my own. Just like the woman in the crowd. I didn't get healed because of my plan. I got healed because of who you were, Jesus. I touched you. God, may people reach out and touch you today. And may the healing that you have always cared about, that you came to earth to give, may you place that in the hearts and the minds and the souls of people who are reaching. May they know you've begun a process in them that only you can do. We're so grateful that you loved us so much that you decided to heal, that you decided to treat us in a way that we could, that we could run around the stall like a calf, play, playful and carefree, and that's, that's who you had in mind for us. Give us the courage to reach towards you and to let you do what you've always wanted to do in our lives. To heal us. We thank you. We love you. Do your work.